offering all of me Jesus your own my heart is living for hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus Heavenly Father we count that a great, great opportunity to know, Lord, in the world that we are living. And people are so drunk with the things of the world, the things that will ultimately lead to their destruction. But you've helped us, Lord, to come to the light, the truth, the way, which is not a doctrine. It is not a book. It is not even a church building. It's a person. The wonderful person, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Pray that you'd help us today in the service, Lord. Our needs are so many. Our physical needs, our emotional needs, no doubt some of the financial needs as well. But really what would be the greatest of all would be our spiritual needs. Some may need salvation today. Some need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some need encouraging. Some need just another drink from the well that will refresh them and help them, Lord. You're the only one that can be able to come today and take this service and custom fit it to every person. For that to be done just in the visible audience would be quite a miraculous thing. But Lord, you know there'll be people that'll be streaming the services from different parts of the world. and Some will go back and archive them. So I just pray that you'd meet the needs of your children, Father, as we tap into your great presence today. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I trust that you're heart's desire today is to have more of him, for him to be able to flow through you in a more open, open way. Let's turn to Isaiah 53, 10, if you would. We know that we're coming to the season of Christmas as the world um, looks at it, and certainly they have a total different view of it than we do as believers, knowing that Christmas is not a big spending day. It is not a <clears throat> something that acts as just one time a year. But for those of us who have him, it's not just Christmas, but Christ in us. And this is what made our redemption possible, Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. 
for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. I point out to you again the numerous times that Isaiah the prophet here mentions the soul of the Messiah. Poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. What we just read is a peculiar thing. One of the most awesome parts of God's creation up to this phase of it. That God would become a part of his creation. And it would be identified as the beginning of a new race. It was the beginning of the new creation. It was a creation unlike anything that had ever been up to this time. It was wonderful whenever he made all the trees and the plants and the stars and set them all in their orbit. And uh, those of you that have been reading about it, you know that on the 21st of December, two of our great planets will be lined up and will form what has been called the Star of Bethlehem. Hasn't been seen since the year, what was it, 1226, something like that. So it hasn't been seen for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet the Lord God who made all these stars and planets and put them in their orbit knew exactly when they would properly align. So the people who understand such tell us that actually when the Lord Jesus was born and came to the earth, that it was three of our neighbors, neighbor stars that came together and formed that great brilliant star that they saw. So if we are seeing two that are lining up in the heavens, remember God testifies it in the heavens before he does it on the earth. 1962, and there was a great brilliant appearing of the stars in the atmosphere. The prophet tells us it was a sign that there was an infant bride on the earth. So we're seeing something else happen in the heavenlies. Certainly she's not an infant anymore. But the very God who made the stars and placed them on their solar path and gives them the ability to rotate. Now, if you can imagine that none of them actually have fallen. We know we say we see a fallen star, but it's actually not a star itself, but a meteorite or cosmic dust that comes. But whenever we see that God placed it all there and know that they have been in their sequence and in their past since the very day that he created them, which might have been millions and millions of years ago. And he knows exactly whenever they will line, whenever they will come together to the eclipse, and even science able to tell us to the very moment 
whenever they will make an eclipse, a solar eclipse, a lunar eclipse, whatever it is. And you think of how that God placed them in the heavens in such a great array. And they keep time better than any clock that we can ever do. That science will be able to go out for years and years and tell when this type of thing will happen again. Why? Because they are still in their perfect place. Now, God, of course, knew that everything in the heavens would not fall, but everything in the earth would fall once man fell. So it was necessary that one from the heavens would come down and redeem the redeemable from the earth. So he must become a part of his creation. The prophet said that he used to believe and used to think that God simply came into the egg of Mary. But he said, if God did that, look at what you have God doing. So God, you know, God only lets out his word and his understanding and his revelation even to his prophets. So they say what they know best at that time. And then they're able to bring us up to date as their understanding up to, is up to date. Aren't you glad for a man like that? But we know that God actually did not overshadow Mary and cause a physical release in her body of an egg. But the creator himself created both egg and life and they came together and produced a union. Now what God is going to do is only foreshadowed in the womb of Mary. Now notice what he's doing as he starts this work of the new creation. So the new creation begins with oneness. So that oneness is a special creation of an egg and a special impartation of the life of God. But as long as they are separate, the new creation is not yet begun. So God creates a special egg or ovum in the womb of Mary. Then God allows the life to come inside and join together. So oneness began its new image in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So here God comes together with the created egg inside of her body and it creates and joins together the new creation, which begins true oneness. Now, I hope you understand that that oneness has not ceased, but it is still ongoing to this very day. So it was a new creation of himself. Now, he was never created actually when he made the universe. He was not created when he made plants and botany life and animal life and all of that. But he must be created in order to bring us back to true oneness with God. So it was the great act of condescension that he would kenosis himself out and allow himself to become a part of his own creation. How in the world can the creator become creation? How could he who made everything and never started, never had a day that he began, he has never had 
a new thought. He never started on any day and could never die. But how can the creator become a part of his creation? Listen to this and why it had to be shepherds. He had started a new creation. What was it? A creation of himself. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. So it was a creation of himself. So he created a part of himself in a new creation, which was the beginning of a new race. Now this race is going to be unlike anything that's ever been. Actually, it's here today. That new race is still ongoing. I believe I'm looking at some of them right now. But the race is going to be unlike the Adamic race. It will not be like the race that was come up through Ham, Shem, or Japheth. It will not come through any other bloodline, but that which is himself becoming created. And that was the beginning of this new race. Now, notice the prophet said it was a creation of himself. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible said in the beginning of the creation of God. God was created in human form. In Jesus Christ, his son, God dwelt And notice, he built his tabernacle of flesh and bones and lived in that tabernacle. God, Emmanuel, God with us, he built himself a house to live in it so he could reflect his word to his subjects through that. You know what God is when you see Christ. Now, this is the beginning of the new race. So the new race is going to be part human and part divine. The human will have a day that it started, but the divine never began. Now, the new race is not going to be the old race made over. It will not be an addition to the old race, but it will actually be a new race. Now, even though you and I have not yet quite caught up to par of where he was here, he made himself uh, a body through the coming together of the masculine. Now notice God made Adam in Genesis 1:26. God made him a spirit man. The Bible goes on to tell us that male and female created he them. So here is perfect oneness in the spirit image of God. That God made a being and this being was masculine and feminine in the same form. So Adam was both Adam and Eve in spirit form. But this is perfect oneness. When God would make the head of the first race, he made him both masculine and feminine. And then in that image, he could have never fallen, nor could Eve. 
But God desired to express himself, of course, by his attributes. So he wanted to bring this creation on down. That creation could fall and did. Then everything under the head of that race, which was Adam, fell. So Adam was not given dominion over the stratosphere, over the hemisphere. He was not given the dominion over the universe, but he was given dominion over the earth. So everything under his dominion fell with him. But now it's up to God then to bring this race back. And he will do it not by raising Adam and Eve up again and say, Adam, I want to give you another chance. I'm afraid that if Adam was given another chance, he'd probably be like most of us. No doubt he'd mess it up again. So God does not raise that Adam and give him another chance, but he actually makes a new Adam. A new Adam, which is called the second Adam, but actually he was before the first Adam. Praise the Lord. So God is going to make another Adam, and he will make him the head of a race which can never fall. Now that Adam was given a dominion and fell from it. This Adam came from a greater dominion and never fell and can never fall. And those of his subjects of that kingdom can never fall either once they're actually in him. Now, if you and I could look today by the grace of God and see where we are, those of us that are truly born again, then we would realize that by the new birth, the new creation is still ongoing. Now, listen carefully. God is not bringing up a new Jesus every time a person is born again, but he actually lets that Lord Jesus be expressed in human form every time a person gets born again. Now, I want you to notice this in Galatians 6.15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. So the creature is not the old one that is patched up. Now, this is the way we've been looking at that many preach the new birth, that it is the old person that is simply forgiven. The old person that gets what the world calls saved. The old person gets forgiven and they still pack around this this weakness about them and they're not really a new creature, but that's not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, when you get born again, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not the same one that's patched up and you're not the same one that's forgiven and you try to do a a better job and try to be a better person and you try to do the best you can. Uh, But of course, inevitably you're gonna fall, you're gonna sin, you're gonna do all kinds of things and much of that will be willful because you simply can't help it. That is not the new birth. The new birth is a brand new person. Notice again in Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So you see, your mind is not just your intelligence, but your mind has a spirit. 
and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So notice in something has taken place, which is after God. After God, listen to these astounding words, that ye put on the new man. Now this is what you and I do. After that the soul has been created in the new life, we put on the new man, which is the behavior, the character, the talk, the language, the goings, the doings, all that the new man does on the inside, we are commanded by the word of God to let that new man reflect himself on the outside. But we cannot do the first stage. Now this is our part showing that we have truly been redeemed. Now this is why a lot of folks can never walk the walk of a child of God. It's because God has not begun the creative work inside of their soul. You see, justification is pointing toward the day when God will create or bring to life your new nature. Justification, sanctification, part of it. You lay aside this, you quit that, you go to church, you start praying, you read your Bible, you do all of that. That's all well and good. But you're still not created yet in the image of him who come to the earth in the form of us. You see, he come to the earth in our form that he could recreate us in his form. That's all redemption is. It's a changing or trading out of images. Notice this, that ye put on the new man. So the new man is likened unto clothing. Now we know how clothing is, that no doubt at your church today, uh, many of you will go home and you'll change your clothes and put on something more comfortable and that's, well, do you have that ability? And if you want to go out again tonight to eat supper or something like that, you might put on something else. You might change clothes two or three different times. Well, because that is a reflection, your clothes are a reflection of where you're going, what you're doing, what you're considering participating in. I certainly am not going to walk up a mountain somewhere or take a trek up the side of a hill with this suit on or these shoes. I would want to get on something more comfortable, shoes that I wouldn't worry about scratching. So it's the same whenever we're in the world and we have on the clothing or the behavior of the old man. So we drunk, we lied, we stole, we committed adultery. We did all of that because it was an image being reflected from the old man, old nature, which was on the outside. So what do we do? We put on drinking. We put on doping. We put on all kinds of things. Actually, then we are a new creature. Then we are commanded to put on the behavior or the clothes of the new man. The new man, which after God is created. So here God has actually done a work of creation in those that are born again. So the soul is created. Therefore, that work cannot be a work of man. None of us can create anything. Now we can take two befores and make a building, make a house, make a table. We can take all kinds of things and make all kinds of things with it. But not a one of us can be able to create. 
We do not have that ability to create. So only God can create. Once he creates by the breath of God, the birth of the soul, then that behavior begins to reflect itself. It's as a wee baby now. It's as a little newborn, so it takes some time, and it starts reflecting its behavior. Then the saints of God take that engrafted nature by the new birth, and they start letting that man as he matures reflect himself out on the outside. So the soul is created anew, which cannot be done by us. God is the only creator. Notice in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Now notice nature is singular and not in plural because the Godhead has one nature. So we are not to partake of the nature of Jesus as a human. Now listen carefully. The Lord Jesus coming to the earth, no doubt, had his own human nature. Even though it was a created nature, yet it must have been human because the disciples were confused. He would say this, and then he would say that, and then he would say something else. Part of the time, it was Jesus as a man speaking, and part of the time, it was the Father speaking out of him. So apparently, the human nature of the Lord Jesus was not a mirror of the divine nature, yet the human nature never done anything wrong or never sinned, so it was a special creation of a human nature. So Jesus would have had his own temperament, the, the body I'm talking about, because the body was not God. The body was a man. God cannot die. So the body was a man. So Jesus would have had his own temperament. He would have had his own laughter. Now we know apparently that Jesus laughed and Jesus cried. So Jesus would have had a laughter that would have been so human. And Jesus would have had tears and they were human tears. So he would have cried and each of us have our way that we cry. Some people cry in a silent type of way. You know, they just, tears come out of their eyes and if it's a lady, she'll hold a handkerchief over her nose and just maybe kind of shake her shoulders. Uh, but some just, oh my, they just become so involved in it. And if you can imagine that the Lord Jesus would have had his own human nature, but that's not what that God wants to give us to partake of. In the great millennium and in eternity, our Lord Jesus being the glorified personage of God in the glorified human body, no doubt we will see this human nature of the Lord Jesus reflected in divine order of God. But watch, now the, the nature that Peter is emphasizing here is that you might be partakers of the divine nature, not the human nature, the divine nature. And the word partakers is partner, fellowship, companion, associate, or a comrade. So God wants us to be a comrade or an associate or a buddy of his divine nature. 
and yet we were born lost. How in the world is he ever going to get that divine nature? He's got to make a new creation. So he cannot make the old thing and just kind of redo it and remodel it a little bit. It's a total brand new creation. So we are partakers of the divine nature. I love this word nature. I tell you, I've done so many studies on the word nature over the years. And it is the Greek word phusus, phusis rather, which means the sum of innate properties and powers by which one person differs from others. Distinctive native peculiarities or natural characteristics. Now you see, even when we are born again in the order of this new creation, we have a new nature from the soul, but we're the same in the same old house that we were before we ever got saved. So we have a divine nature which expresses itself through a human nature. Now you watch preachers as they preach and some are real excited and some are very emotional and some are more scholarly and this and that. Spirit of God anointing the gift inside of their life. But the way they will express it is totally and completely different. Same channel of the Spirit of God. Well, if you can understand it, whenever we come into our glorified bodies, all of us will not be the same. We will not all be the same size. Our hair, our eye color, even our skin color will not all be the same. Why? God is a God of variety. So Peter is here pointing to us then the mystery of the new birth. Now whenever we look at Adam and Eve, whatever it was that they had in the presence of God, we know that God supernaturally breathed the image of God into Adam. But that image of God was retractable. So it was not a seal on Adam's soul that could not ever be broken, but it was something that God breathed into Adam, and when Adam fell, this actually left out of Adam's tabernacle. So it was not, as, as we have today, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, whereby you're sealed to the day of your redemption, but it was something that was breathed in and something that could leave. Now, when God made him, of course, he made him in the image of God's own reflective created image, which was Christ the Logos. So the Logos must have looked like a man because God is invisible. So the Logos prefigures what Jesus will look like thousands of years down the road. So in the image of God made he them. Notice this, I want you to watch this in oneness with God. The, the prophet said that's God's purpose. Uh, I've been listening, I told you, to Invisible Union for the last oh, five or six weeks, something like that, listen to it three or four times a day. <clears throat> so the other day I went down to the basement to do a little stuff, and I said, Lord, help me today. What, what, which direction should I go? What should I listen to? I've been listening to Invisible Union over and over and over again. Help me, Lord, help me know what to do. And the Lord laid on my heart this tape to listen to. If you haven't listened to it in a while, it's a really good, good one. Uh, 211.62, it's called Oneness. That's God's purpose, and his purpose as Father Supreme. What a beautiful word. As Father Supreme was to be one with his family, earthly family, Adam and Eve. And the only way they could be one, one with the family or with God, was because God's nature was in them. So that made them with God's nature 
in this. So then we can see now that whatever it was, however this transpired in the Garden of Eden, this is the way they could be one with God, that God's nature was in them. But we know that the nature of God did not remain in them. So what went in came out. Now look at your own desk in the natural sense that those of us that go by the way of the grave, the nature of God by the new birth moves into our soul and whenever we die as the world says, what happens to us? Then that soul, that attribute of God, that breathed in nature of God goes out of this body and this body will be put in the grave. Where does it go? Into a theophany. Notice this, he said that God's nature was in them, so that made them with God's nature in them. Then with each other and God, they become all one. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God in his family, father over all, supreme, no death, no sorrow, no heartaches, no nothing, just joy unspeakable, never to be sick, never to have a heartache, just one with God. What a picture. Because the very nature of God was in these people. And therefore what they did, they, just, they followed just in line with God and God with them made them one. So we're able to see then that both Adam and Eve had this imparted nature of God living inside of them. But it was not sealed in them that it could not be taken away. So Father gave it to them and then father removed it. Now remember when he started down to see Abraham that day and the father God wanted to manifest himself in a physical form before Abraham. So the Logos and two angels come down and he created dust bodies and they spoke into those dust bodies. So here was the, the eternal and here was Michael, Gabriel, possibly he stepped into those bodies. He used those bodies then he turns back from his journey and steps out of those bodies and they fall right back down to the dust of the earth. So God can get in something and then step out of something. Watch this, so the image of God, the nature of God was in them. Now, the man was both male and female. So here we go back now to Genesis 1:26. When it come into a being, the spirit of feminist and masculine, then God took from his side a rib. Did you notice? The body part was a byproduct, but not the spirit. So when God had quit creating for years and years, so he takes the man of Genesis 1, places him inside the man of Genesis 2-7. And the man in Genesis 2-7 had in him both masculine and feminist traits and characteristics. Then God, of course, allows a deep sleep to fall upon the man of Genesis 2-7, and God opens up his side and pulls out a rib. Then God goes inside the spirit realm of that man, and he separates the feminist qualities and he takes them out and places them inside this body which he has formed which is a feminist gender but she had no spirit remember so her body was a byproduct of man so what is gasoline gasoline is a byproduct of crude oil what is petroleum and petroleum jelly that you've used since you was a little child. What is that? What is that? It is a byproduct out of crude oil. What are many of our rubbers and plastics and all kinds? It's amazing how many things are byproducts out of crude oil. 
comes out of the ground and depending on what they're gonna do with it, they'll send it to this refinery, that refinery, that refinery, and it is what is called a byproduct out of crude. So God took this rib out of Adam's body, which was a byproduct out of the original man. And then God puts this feminist spirit inside this byproduct. Now watch how the prophet likens this. He said, did you notice the body part, which was Eve, was a byproduct, but not the spirit. The body part of the woman was a byproduct after the creation had been finished. God took from the side of Adam a rib and made a woman, but not the spirit. The spirit was part of Adam. For he was both man and woman, spiritually speaking, both masculine and feminist. Now notice how he brings it on to Christ and the bride. Don't you see the great picture? We in flesh are different. We're like a byproduct, a created being by holy wedlock, but in spirit, we are sons and daughters, not some other spirit, but the spirit of the living God. So our bodies this morning, Brother Louis, we are a byproduct of a union between our mother and father, but that which lives inside of our soul is not from mom and daddy. It's from God. As a matter of fact, it is him. Notice this, we like a byproduct, a created being by holy wedlock, but in spirit we are sons and daughters of God, not some other spirit, but the spirit of the living God. We are in his likeness, in his unity, in the perfect image of the living God. Well, something must have happened. If a prophet of God could stand on this earth in 1962 and say that we are in the perfect image of the living God, something has had to transpire to restore that holy image back to man again. What was it? When God himself become a part of his own creation. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice this, because we become sons and daughters not separated, but the same spirit. Listen to this, the same God, the same person joined in wedlock to the eternal. Glory to God. Joined in wedlock to the eternal. When did it happen? When you got born again. So as you were born the first time and your first husband that had the rule over you was your nature, so when you're reborn and you get a new nature, you also get a new husband. Amen. So what do you get? You get the nature of your husband when the new birth is consummated. So it's not the old man, the old Adam made over, polished and redone and remodeled. We all understand what remodel is. We take a a house or whatever where we live or or a car or something like that and we want to redo it. I want to remodel the kitchen, the wife will say to the husband. And the husband, you know, grimaces in his face and thinks, oh my goodness, how much is that going to cost? 
Uh, so she, she wants granite. And you think, why don't I do Formica again? They're making that Formica that looks a lot like granite. It'd be a lot cheaper. So why don't we just paint? Why, no, no, I, I want new cabinets. Oh, no, honey, that's way too much. Uh, the building things is just way out of sight right now. So uh, well, but it'd be the same old house, but it'll be new to me. But it's still a remodel. And that's what folks have done to their soul. They took their soul up to the altar and they cried a little bit. Oh God, I'm sorry for drinking. God, I'm sorry for this, that, and the other. They replaced the kitchens. They replaced the countertop. They replaced the sink and this, that, and the other. But that same old sinful nature is still in their soul. And then they walk around maybe for years and act like they've really been regenerated. But eventually that nature will manifest itself because the snake is still in the heart. Now watch this, he says, joined in wedlock to the eternal, see how God planned it? Children, please listen. That we should not be different, but him. See how God planned it? Not that we should be a different, but him. Not some other being of some other tribe, but a real union and offspring of the Almighty done by a holy union. Notice here we come back to the union now. So the beginning of the new creation started with a union, a created feminist, a created masculine, and it comes together and makes what? The head of the new race. So how do we then enter into a true oneness with God? It starts with the soul of the new birth. Then that new birth lives inside inside of this old body, but it becomes a new union, divine merged into human. And whenever we are changed in the resurrection, we will have a body likened unto his own glorious body. So what's going on right now is a mirror image of what's gonna happen in the resurrection. Notice this, not some other tribe, but a real union and offspring of the Almighty done by a holy union. Now the body comes from mother and father, but the spirit come from God. God separating himself as Adam was separated. Can you imagine when you really got the Holy Ghost in your soul? God separated from himself your part of him. Glory be to God. That will be yours for eternity. Well, what about when I die? Well, when you die, all you do is take that part of him and that part of you, which is him, and you put both of you in a theophany body, Amen. And then what happens to you? You come and get this and raise it up. You will raise your own body in the resurrection. Because the power of God, amen. God don't have little parts and big parts. The prophet said the power of God in you now to raise your own body from the dead. Praise be to On the day of Pentecost, we find the Holy Spirit, the pillar of fire. Can't you see why the Spirit of God led me to this sermon oneness? (laughs) On the day of Pentecost, we find the Holy Spirit, the pillar of fire separating itself and setting upon each member of that church. Listen to this. God putting himself together. (laughs) 
But the only way he can put himself together is separate himself. You see, as long as he stays together in his God form, amen, he'll never be able to manifest all of his attributes. So the only way he can put himself together in a bride form is to separate himself. And when he separates you and you and you and you and you and me and me, he's still just as much God as he ever was. He's still just as much power, just as much healing, but this is your part of him. So he puts himself together by dividing himself. So on the day of Pentecost, here he comes, that pillar of fire, and he divided himself among that 120 on the day of Pentecost, but he started making this multifest and multi-aspect body, not now just by Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ expressed in feminist form. Amen. It was Jesus Christ in the body of his bride. God, oh glory. Can I read this one quote again? On the day of Pentecost, we find the Holy Spirit, the pillar of fire, separating himself, setting on each member of that church. God putting himself together. Then with that group of people together, what does it do? Brings back the unified body of the Lord Jesus coming together. Can't you see why we long to sit in a building like this? You've got the Holy Ghost at home. I've got it at home. Those who'd love to be here today and cannot for whatever reason, and they're streaming, and streaming is good, but it sure ain't like being here. We all know that. Whenever we've had to stream before, I thank God for it because it certainly helps you. But brother, there ain't nothing like coming together. Why? What difference does it make? Because you bring your part of God and 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 my part of God. What's it do? It brings him back together again. Oh, Lord, children, no wonder we're waiting and longing for the rapture and the resurrection. Why? It will bring him back together in a glorified body. Notice this. Well, now, the same thing, many things that we have, that we favor by a family strain like that to each other. Then in the family strain of God, if we become born of the Spirit of God, we take on the nature of God. So if you find yourself hating people, you need to be set free. If you find yourself despising the church of the living God and trying to damage people and all that, friend, you need to deliver to that. That is not the nature of God. Notice, again, he says, look at it, bruised, wounded, tore, opened up his side by the Roman spirit in order that by the Holy Spirit we could be baptized into his body, partakers of his divine nature. You get it? Then you become a partaker after coming into this body, a partaker of his divine nature, Christ's nature in you. How can you cheat, steal, lie, backslide, proselyte, everything else with the divine nature of Christ in you? And the church said, it's impossible. Let that soak just for a few minutes because it's right. If you be a partaker in Christ, then you become 
a new creature. So you don't rip out the cabinets and put more cabinets in. You don't rip out the 1960s Formica and put in new Formica. No, it is a new creature in the same old house. So the master that used to rule is dead and you got a new master in charge. Oh my. If you be a partaker in Christ and you become a new creature, all things have passed away and all things have become moot. Notice now what will go. All our warrings and fussings. Uh-oh. Fussings and stewings. Why didn't he mention alcohol and marijuana and cocaine? What in the world is he talking about fussing for? What's he talking about arguing and warring? I don't care who you are. If you're a preacher and you've been saved for 185 years, you cannot fuss and argue and tell me you've got the sweetness of the Spirit of God in your life. You'll grieve the Spirit of God away from you when you go to fussing. It's not the nature of God to argue and fuss and debate. Come on, children. Now, don't get quiet on me. It is not the nature of God. The prophet of God said, God don't argue and neither do his children. Well, my, my. All of our warrings and fussings and stewings and arguings and tempers. He didn't say that. Surely he didn't say that. All these things pass away. So when we say so-and-so passed away, do we all understand what that means? Well, how come we don't understand it spiritually? So our fussing, our arguing, our warring, our debating is supposed to pass away. Well, praise the Lord. Man, whenever I get really down and really weary and I think, I wish I wasn't a preacher, then I have encouraging thoughts of what I could have been in life. A painter, a plumber, or an undertaker. Now maybe some of y'all like the idea of dealing with corpses. I don't. When a person's passed away, then if they are truly passed away, you could smack them, you could pinch them, you could hit them, you could walk up there and say, you sorry, low down, good for nothing. Maybe you've wanted to tell them your entire life, but they were bigger than you and you never done it. But boy, if they're passed away, you can walk up and look at them and you can grimace and you can look off the thing every well, Don't worry, they ain't gonna raise up, they ain't gonna hit you. They ain't gonna say one thing because they passed away. But yet we claim the new birth and we can fight a circle saw. We're meaner than wolverines. Boy, anybody cross us, we'll blast their hide on Facebook. My goodness. Oh, sweet Jesus. My, my, somebody's pulling me back into Wednesday night sermon. Now, children, don't do me that way. Please, on Sunday morning. 
Speaking of that, let me tell you this. I was so perplexed and so overwhelmed by Wednesday night, I just didn't know hardly what to make of it. By the time I got home, I already had text, emails. I've got them all the way up till this morning. Indiana, Alabama, Maryland, Virginia, overseas. And the title of some of the emails was, I was the guilty one. I pulled you this way. And I pulled you that way. It was my knee because I was harboring something in my heart. I thought, my, 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 it ain't no wonder the Lord pulled me that way. Well, praise the Lord. You know why? It's getting ready time. Let's go home time. Let's get feelings out of us. Let's quit arguing. Let's quit debating and fussing and be what God wants us to be. Little gods. He don't want you to be an arguing human. He wants you to be a mirror of Jesus Christ. Notice in the statue of a perfect man, that's the way it is with Christ. See, we've got to be so in love with him until we ask for something and he doesn't give it to us. That doesn't shake us a bit. The only way you can do that is become partakers of the divine nature. Then you'll understand the reason he can't give it to you. Partakers of the divine nature. Many folks pray for God to save their mother. Oh, God, don't let my mama die with cancer. God, don't let my baby die. And God, in his perfect will, take them on. And many will stop from right there and never serve the Lord again. Why? It proved they didn't have his divine nature. Even if he says no, with his nature in you, you understand it's for my good. I don't understand why I prayed fervently. I've asked him with all of my heart, but the nature of God in you, which is the same nature in him, identifies itself and reflects itself from heaven and connects to you on the earth. So even though he don't say this is why, he don't have to. You've got a deposit of his nature in your soul and it gives you an understanding that all of his decisions are absolutely perfect. Notice now our blood, our life, which came through sexual desire, brought our life in the world. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, changes our nature by sending upon us the Holy Spirit, then we become into the divine nature of God. Then we become a dwelling place for God. And this is the key. We looked at this a few weeks ago, but let's recap it a little bit if you don't mind. Souls in prison, paragraph 44. That soul that's in there, see the soul is what God is working on. If it can only get that nature, that spirit to agree with him, which is a miracle within itself, then that nature dies. The nature and the love of the world dies and the things of the world is dead because if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not in you. You see, a man must be born again. So this nature has to die. And the nature of God comes and lives in you. And God is the only thing that never did begin or never can end. So that nature 
You don't throw him in a spiritual washing machine and turn him around and push all the buttons and add a little bit of bleach and a little bit of spiritual tide and a little bit of this and that and the other and bring him out on the other side and throw him in the dryer and he comes out brand new. He's a washed hog. He is a dog that just vomited. You tell me the hog don't look better after she's washed? You tell me the dog don't feel better after he's vomited? I don't wanna make you sick now, but think about it. Not long, but just. (laughs) You think the dog don't feel better? You think people don't feel better when they supposedly give the heart to the Lord? I feel so much better. I feel so much better. Oh, praise the Lord. I feel so good. And they clean up. Yeah, they're a washed hog and a vomiting dog. But what did Peter said they would do? He said that old hog would go right back to her wallowing in the mire. The sow, is that right? And the dog would go right back to the very thing that made him sick and eat it again. Why? Because the sow was a sow by nature, and whenever she got washed, her nature was not washed. She'd just come to church for a little while and sat there and said amen. Well, praise the Lord. And the dog got over his sixth spell, and he was able to come to church and sit there for a while. Amen. Bow wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, buddy. But you don't watch them for a while, five years, ten years, and they'll go to biting and snapping and growling. I don't like going to say, right, 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 right. I don't like this and that and the other. Uh-huh. Watch that old dog nature come out. Why? Because they never was born again. A washed sow is still a sow. A purged out dog is still a dog. But a born again son or daughter of God is not a sow or a dog. Hallelujah. They are attributes of the living God. Notice this. So therefore he has partnership, you see, and taken this man earth and this eternal spirit and put it together. Because God reflected himself back on that, that he become a man when he become Christ Jesus. And he was God. So God was in Christ. He that lived in him reconciling the world to himself. And through that perfect man, each one of us imperfect, that believe in God and has accepted that, becomes the perfection of of him. Amen. Let me go just a few minutes more before we stop. Please listen carefully. You see the new man that is formed in the believer is actually Christ Jesus. Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Look what the word put means. Clothed with arrayed in to sink into clothing. To sink 
So put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, his behavior, his attitude, his traits, his characteristics, and sink so deep into his clothes that the devil can't find you no more. And you so change from your temperament and your mom and your daddy. Oh, Brother Donnie, I thought you said we'll always be bothered with this thing. That's right, bothered with it, not it controlling you. You'll always have a carnal, sticky nature and the prophet said it'll always bother you. Bothering you and controlling you is two separate things. If it still controls you, you need to sink a little deeper, my friend. You need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ as you would clothes, and what does clothes do? Totally hides our nakedness. And with the clothing of the Lord Jesus and our talk, our action, our behavior, what does he want to do? Hide our humanity. Hide our temper. Hide the things about us that still remains in this human body that gets us in trouble. We need to bury ourselves in the clothing of Jesus Christ. Well, well, here it is, time to close. I'm just getting started. I know, I know. Let me read you something here in Job 29, 14. I put on righteousness and it closed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. Wow, what a thing for a man to say. I put on righteousness and it closed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diamond. Can you imagine then the way that God looks at the way we judge situations? So we hear, as I'm going back to Wednesday night, we hear a rumor on this brother, this sister, this, that, and other. So instead of us trying to check it out, trying to make sure we're not repeating some fabrication from somebody, we go ahead and judge it. That's right, I believe it too, because you never did like them anyway. You just put on your clothes. So your judgment was your robe. You just put on the robe of a misinformed, uninformed judge. And it was your diadem, your crown. I don't want that myself. I've been guilty. And I'll go ahead and say for the rest of you hound dogs, y'all been just as guilty as I have. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Notice Isaiah 61, 3, to appoint them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What are you doing? Changing your clothes. That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. What does God want it to be? Jump down, Brother Daniel, to Galatians 4.19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I personally believe in reincarnation. 
Not the way the Hindus believe it. But this form, Galatians 4.19, reincarnation. So the living God comes and recreates himself in our souls to make us like him. Now, a true Hindu is a vegetarian. Now, I've been in India. You see them, as Brother Bram said, they take a broom and sweep the walks and all that sort of thing because they might step on an ant. That might be their mother. Yeah, reincarnation. So if you don't do very good in this life, then you die and you come back. And if you're mean, then you have to kind of start at the bottom again. And then you just keep living this life over and over again. So you're a pretty good ant. And then you become a butterfly. And then from a butterfly, you become a bird. And from a bird, and maybe eventually, you'll become a man again. Well, when you do, you're right back down the bottom of the drain again. Because ants don't sin. But what did God want to do? God said, I want to place my own life in you. My own nature. Praise God. Friends, this is what Christmas is all about. I want his presence for Christmas. Not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. But presence. God gave me an appropriate gift for Christmas. The prophet tells us of a poor man in the streets of one of our great rich cities. The man, his wife died. His little girl was sickly. And all she wanted for Christmas was a doll. So the man didn't have any money. He was poor. And the little girl got worse. And the little girl died. So the man was kind of beside himself and loses his senses. And he finds a little dolly in a trash can. So part of it was missing its hand or its eye or whatever more. So he's out wandering around, wandering around on Christmas Eve while the people are having their big drunken parties and I bought daddy a fifth of whiskey for Christmas and I bought mama a carton of cigarettes and I bought that. Well, that's really a way to celebrate the Lord's birth, isn't it? So a policeman finds this man they said, what are you doing? He said, my, my little girl, my little girl, he's, he's beside himself. She, she, she wants this doll. He said, you're drunk. He said, no, no, sir, I'm not, I'm not drunk. But the prophet said the reason he wanted to take her, that little dolly, was because a doll was an appropriate gift for a little girl. So the Lord God come to the earth and brought us an appropriate gift. We know the wise men come to the young child and they brought him great gifts. Amen. Frankincense and myrrh, speaking of his destiny and who he was. 
It was an appropriate gift for the Son of God. So on the night gets cold and the temperature drops and the man just keeps fading out and fading out. And the man dies, clutching the little doll in his arms. The prophet said, he must have taken his little daughter, her appropriate gift. She had gone on, so he had to go where she was in order to take it to her. We were lost and we were wretched. We were mean. We were vile. Seemingly beyond hope. So we had to come down the streets and the back alleys where we were to find us, to bring us our appropriate gifts. He didn't bring us BMWs, Mercedes, Cadillacs, big fine houses, you know, fine clothes, a big brand new church building, no. He brought us what was appropriate. What did he bring us? His soul. His soul. Which was your future partaking. Praise God. It was an appropriate gift for a lost person. It was an appropriate gift for a lost man, woman, boy, or girl to help you to come back to your father's family. That his nature would be able to get in you. Now friends, this is not just a sermon for those who are lost today or a sermon for those who maybe need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But for those of us who are children already, that we can recognize who we are, what we are, and why we are here. You see, the prophet tells us those wise men brought those gifts to him because it spake of what they thought he was. So he said, that's the way we are. So the gifts we give to the Lord Jesus tell us what we think about him. So if we give him our tithes, and we give him offerings, and we give him prayers on Sunday, and the rest of the week we hardly speak to him. We don't give him no consecration, no dedication. Your gifts tells what you think about the Lord Jesus. So if you give all the rest of your time to sports and all the rest of your time talking about money and making money and the world and the things of the world and all that, 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 that shows what you think about him. But the greatest gift you can give him, I know it seems worthless to us, but the greatest gift we could ever give him is ourselves. And then don't take it back, but just let him have it. Lord, I'm yours. Do with me what you want to do. You see, you'll prove that you're still his whenever someone speaks against you. Instead of you fighting back, you'll turn the other cheek. You'll pray for your enemies. That proves you're his. Let me close today and ask you, what appropriate gift have you given to him? Oh, for the next couple of weeks, the stores will be staying open late hours and opening early in the morning so they can make every dollar they can make. And people will go in debt and put on credit cards, stuff they can't even afford to do because it's expected to be done. The Lord Jesus don't want you to go to Best Buy. 
He don't want a gift card from best, bad, and beyond. He wants you. He don't need a food card from Carabas or a steak. He wants you. And he wants you every day, every night. He wants to be the last one that you tell good night to. He wants to be the first one you speak to when you wake up in the morning. Good morning, Lord. Good night, Lord. I'll talk to you in the morning. Brother Donnie, don't tell me you do that. Guilty. Guilty. That's the way I feel it, man, Brother Louis. He's the greatest thing in my life. And my gifts will testify what I think about him. Lord Jesus, forgive us, Father. A lot of times we've given you such pitiful gifts. We indulge ourselves in those things which we find fun and things that are pleasurable to us. Many folks give you the last few moments when they lay down before they go to sleep at night. They're wore out, they're exhausted, they're tired. And they just say a few words and they doze off to sleep. And you're so awesome, so wonderful. You'll take even that. Lord, I pray you'd help each of us to find in our lives that we can make more room if we only would look and time for you. That we will give the appropriate gifts. No doubt people will give us gifts and things. And heard the prophet say the other day that people would buy him gifts and give him gifts to show their appreciation. And he said, there's no way I could buy each one of them back. I just couldn't do it. So, Lord, there's no way that we could ever pay you back. We're not trying to pay you back anyway. We just want to give you a gift that lets you know what we think about you. People here at the church, Lord, give me and Carol gifts and things that they think we'd like. They give us gift cards from restaurants where we could eat or send me chocolates or send Carol this or that or the other. Because they just want us to know they love us. And they're thinking about us. Oh, Jesus. I want you to know tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. However long I'm able to live on this earth, I want you to know every day, Lord, that I love you. The appropriate gift for me to give to you is myself. My love my deepest affection, my deepest attention, it's you, Lord. Many of us would be offended if somebody went to Big Lots and bought us some type of little cheap gift. Man, Harry and Wiz Little, we never did get very much stuff for Christmas, but we got racetracks for years and years. We'd put them little cars on them racetracks and run them around and around and around and them little figure eight tracks and most of them would do good to last a week. But well, we sure wore them out when they was working. Now all we've got left of them is just memories. But that's all mom and daddy could afford with a big family. Lord Jesus, you don't 
look at us today and you don't want gold. You don't want silver. You don't want platinum. You want our love, our attention, our affection. Forgive us, Lord, for not giving you the appropriate gifts to our great King. Help us, Jesus. If we truly are born of your nature, your nature loves worship, then the human counterpart of that desire, if it is in us and you want worship, the human counterpart of that nature should be in us to give you worship. Brother Louis shouldn't have to beg us to worship. The song leaders shouldn't have to plead with us to worship. The counterpart of your nature should be in us to make us want to raise our hands in the presence of the great King. Because we are the counterpart of your desire. I bring you an appropriate gift today, Father. Coming to the end of this service, I bring you an appropriate gift, praise, adoration, love, worship, thank yous. Amen. We love you, Lord God. Oh, I hear the prophet say there in the adoption series, whenever we're gathered around his throne that day, we'll be saying, Papa, you saved me. Papa, you forgave me. You redeemed me. Even in them glorified bodies, we'll still be giving appropriate gifts. Praising you for eternity. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Don't you love him, saints? For those of you that are born again and received the Holy Ghost and sealed in your soul, how many of you can say with me today, you want to put on more of Jesus Christ on the outside, that Jesus Christ can be reflected through your life. Maybe some of you have not born again and you love the Lord, you go to church, you believe the message with all of your heart as far as you can believe it, but you feel you need the Holy Ghost. You'd like to raise your hand today? We'll certainly pray for you. Anyone that's without God, anyone that doesn't know the Lord is your Savior, we want to pray for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother Wes, would you come and offer prayer for the saints and for the needs of these others? Father, we're so grateful to be able to come into your presence. Lord, it seems sometimes these days the only happiness that we really have is when we come together as a body. The only joy we feel is when we're in your presence. The world has become a numbing place to us, Lord, where we find little joy. But Lord, you bless us so much. There's been pleas, Lord, for for deliverance. There's people here today, Lord, who are fighting secret struggles within their own heart to be closer to you, to be delivered of some affliction, Lord, that haunts them and torments them daily. Lord, you've given us nothing but freedom and deliverance. 
You offer it fully, Lord, with no restraint to anyone who will. We're so grateful, Lord, for everything that you do. So grateful, Lord, for the things you've given us in our lives, the purpose that you put before us in sharing in your kingdom. Lord, we're blessed people. We can just hold on to that through the week, Lord. And realize day by day, Lord, how much you love us and how, how you just want to guide us and bring more love and more joy into our lives. And, and Lord, maybe we would embrace it, embrace it more readily. We can recognize it more quickly. Lord, the word that we've come, heard coming from the pulpit has been grace. Sometimes the hardest things that you've preached to us, Lord, are just simply out of love. Because, Lord, we need to be separated more and more each day. And sometimes the threshing floor and is not a fun place, Lord, but it's setting us free from the things of this world, and we're so grateful for it. Lord, for those that are under the sound of my voice today, Lord, let them hear your word. Our deliverance is there. Your hands are outstretched. There, there's no wall. You put up no wall between yourself and us. It's Satan who's trying to lay the bricks in our path, Lord, and set them up high before us to where we, can, we can't see to climb over. But, Lord, it's you that clears the way. Deliverance is here. You are deliverance, and we are so thankful. We're so grateful, Lord. Lord, how can we thank you enough? This time of year, we celebrate your coming to this earth, Lord. Help us not to lose sight of what a precious thing that was. And all of the, the glitter, Lord, let us not forget how much love that took. Lord, when our lives were shipwrecks, Lord, when we washed up on the shore, it was on a rock that we landed that's where we found our life. That's where we found our foundation. And that's where we found life was in you, Lord. You're our salvation. You're everything, Lord. You're our life. There's not words, Lord. I, I continue to speak, but there's not words that can express our love, our gratitude, the greatness of your glory. Lord, there's nothing that a man can say to express it fully. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. For all your blessings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're bound by besetting sin, bound by something that hinders you, from Father to you today as an appropriate gift would be deliverance. You're lost from Father to you today. An appropriate gift would be to help you be found. He's still handing out appropriate gifts. Not under an evergreen tree, but from a dogwood tree. A cross of cedar, as historians say. Mixed wood, the Lord God gave us the gift of life.
we recognize it. Day before yesterday, they crucified my Lord, beat him unmercifully, and nailed him to a tree. The sky grew dark, the earth began to Cried, surely we crucified the Son of God. Let's sing it together. Why didn't we recognize the Son of God was here
God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Did you join church today? Hey, give the Lord a good hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is so wonderful to us. He is so awesome in this place today. Let's sing that just before we get ready to go today. You appreciate God. You appreciate His Word, what it means to your life. Our God is awesome. Yes, He's awesome. Oh, He's awesome. Yes, He's awesome. Our God is awesome. Son. 